A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. All right, so we are among friends here, right? Yeah? Yeah? I mean, we already told each other we're a bunch of sinners, and we're a big wreck, and we're a mess. So we, we're, we can be open, and we can be honest. We can be very real with each other here. That's the whole point. So if you would, if you're willing, raise your hand if, for whatever reason, you feel weary, tired, exhausted. Okay, quite a few of us. How about, um, for any reason, you might just feel discouraged, a little bit on the struggle bus, right? Maybe just down for something. Maybe other things are going well, but some things just not so good. All right, one more. How about you're worried about something, anxious, feeling like it's just not in your control? Okay, so again, I think we're in like company with each other. Maybe we want something different. Wouldn't you like to have something that's new? We gather every week like this to center our lives around the central event of all history, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But maybe sometimes when we're here, we wonder, does this really actually change anything? All right, so here's the part of the quiz. In the scripture readings, it actually showed up twice in the liturgy, but in the scripture readings, how many times was the word new used? Any guesses? Who said five? You win the golf cart that's out there in the narthex. It's yours. <laughs> Sorry, I'm lying to you. I shouldn't do that in church. No, you win the prize, which is nothing. Sorry. <laughs> bragging rights. You get bragging rights. Okay. It's used five times, four times in Revelation. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. I make all things new. And in the gospel reading, a new commandment. Now, in Greek, there are two words for our one English word, new. They have two words. The first one is neos, where we get our English words, the root of the word new. And this, is, this word means new in the sense that something didn't exist before. So they had a new baby because that baby wasn't alive before. The other word is kainos. And kainos is new in the sense that it was there before, but now it's different than what it was before. It's fresh. It's better. It's far greater. So when someone improves their life, we say something like, he's a new man, she's a new woman. The five times in our readings, it's always the word kainos, the second one. In other words, what God is doing is he's taking what's already there and he's going to renew it. So looking at Revelation, it's talking all about what God is going to do with his creation. A distinct characteristic of Christianity is that God is not going to throw away everything that he made and said is good. 
Which means then the aim of our existence is not to escape this created world so that we can go off and live in some sort of invisible, spiritual, ethereal existence out there, whatever that would look like. But that's what a lot of religions of the world would say. We want to escape creation. We want to escape the stuff of this world. Not us. I mean, not even our bodies. I know sometimes we look at our bodies and go, man, I wish I could get rid of this old thing, right? No, 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 no. Christianity says this, that our God is going to take everything that he's created and it's good, but it's been corrupted by sin and death, and he's going to make it new, including our bodies. I make all things new, he said. So new heaven and new earth means there's a new world that is coming a new cosmos. Everything in the created universe is going to be made new. Now, when we look around at the world around us, we say, wow, isn't it beautiful? And it's filled with life, and there's order to things. It makes us say, you know, there's got to be a God, right? But on the other hand, we can kind of look around at the universe and go, yeah, but it's also a little unpredictable. It's a little chaotic. It can be rather destructive. A natural disaster can sweep in and wipe out a whole town. We ourselves damage the world around us because we're constantly polluting it. And then there's death. Nothing in this universe lives forever, does it? I mean, even stars die. We call them supernovas. So that means we live then in fear and danger because we're threatened and we're vulnerable and we're fragile. Imagine existing where there's only beauty and nothing ugly. Only safety, nothing dangerous or destructive. Only order and harmony, nothing in conflict or chaotic. Only life, no death. That's the new heaven and the new earth that's coming. And so also there's really nothing new about cities, even a city like Jerusalem in the Old Testament. So what is this new Jerusalem? Well, when cities are at their worst, they can go really wrong. Do you know who founded the first city according to the Bible? Murderous Cain, the guy who killed his brother Abel. And from that point forward, you have all kinds of notorious cities. You've got Sodom and Gomorrah, and then Nineveh, and Babylon, In the New Testament, you've got Rome, and then maybe we might add a few American cities into that sort of reputation. When cities are at their worst, they trend towards being centers of corruption and violence and debauchery and ruthless power. We might be afraid to go out at night in the city. Despite the fact that there's all kinds of people around us in the city, we might still get lost and find ourselves alone and isolated. And yet, in the city, when the city's at its best, it's all, it's, it brings out everything that makes human life beautiful and rich and interesting. Think of what a city has to offer to us. Oh, there's art and there's music and entertainment and museums and theater and there's all kinds of cuisine that you can eat and there's different cultures that end up mixing together and there's your favorite sports team. Cities have their own beauty and their architecture and their design and layout. And human beings come to live together in community and neighborhoods. 
Now, quick note about Old Testament Jerusalem. What made it unique from all the other cities of the ancient world was that it had the temple, the house of God, where Israel encountered her Lord. So a new Jerusalem means taking and setting aside all the negative things about a city and everything that makes human life rich and beautiful, coming together, living together in safety and in harmony with each other, living a vibrant life together, enriching each other with beauty and goodness. And above all, says Revelation, the most important thing, the God that we love lives with us. More than he did in the temple in the Old Testament. Our God is there so that we can interact with him freely, affectionately, each and every day. And in a most tender little detail, it says God himself is going to wipe away the tears from our cheeks. The tears that have been caused by the old order of things. Now, no more death or mourning or wailing or pain This will be our existence, our environment, our surroundings. This will be our home. And it's all made possible by that central event of history. Jesus' death and resurrection destroys death. And the old order of things, which was all caused by our sin and our rejection of God. And in Jesus' resurrection then, A new world, a new existence emerges and rises. That is the vision of Christianity. Friends, we must always have our eyes on the horizon, waiting for that vista to begin to appear. We've got to hold on to that, cling to that. He will make all things new. Okay, good. What about now? And that's great if everything around me is going to be good. What about within me? Can I be made new now? So let's turn our attention to the gospel reading and that new commandment that Jesus gives, love each other. Again, there's really nothing new about that idea, as if it hadn't existed before Jesus said it to the disciples. If you know the Old Testament, the two great commandments are love God and love your neighbor. And in fact, basically every major world religion and even our secular irreligious culture has some version of love each other. So what makes it new? Because Jesus says love one another as, say it with me, I have loved you. There it is. It is the supreme, radical, total gift of himself that Jesus makes all things new. He is the definition of love. He completely redefines it. See, every definition you and I are going to give for love, it's going to be imperfect because it's always going to be tinged with a little bit of ego or what's in it for me. It's Jesus is the one who loves perfectly. He defines love by what he does. Just moments before he said to them, love each other, he's down on his knees washing the feet of the disciples. And just moments after he says, love each other, he says, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, which is precisely what Jesus does the very next day. He is love. So how do I love as he loves? How do I love completely? How do I make 
a total gift of myself? How do I sacrifice myself? How do I always put the needs of others before my own? Is this just some extreme moral standard that I'm never going to live up to? How do I love like Jesus? Make sure you get this part. The newness is not simply in the example of Jesus because I'm never going to be able to do that. The newness is in his resurrection. Jesus is alive. And now in your baptism, Jesus lives in you and he lives in me, which means the more that my life is continuously immersed into him and he is immersed into me, the more that happens, the more I will find that I am loving as Jesus loves because Jesus is loving in me and he's actually loving through me. It's him. And that's only intensified every time we come and participate in the new covenant of his blood. See, even if you have received the Eucharist thousands of times before today, today it is new. As you come forward to receive Jesus, today it is new because Jesus even more intimately unites himself to you today, more than ever before. Right? This, this is what love is all about. Think about your loved ones. You love them more today than you did last week, than you did a year ago, than you did the first time that you met them. Or at least I hope you do, right? But that's, that's what love is as it grows. So the more that I open myself up to receive Jesus freely, the more that he comes to live in me, then the more I am able to freely give Jesus to others. Paul says in Galatians 2, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or maybe another way to say that is, it is no longer I who love, but it is Christ who loves in me and who loves through me. No matter how you came into this Eucharist this morning, what would happen when you walk out those doors if you confidently say, he makes all things new? I may not be able to change my circumstances, but I am changed. I am a new person because Jesus lives in me and Jesus is ready to love through me which means now I'm ready for a new week.